You're about to listen to another inspiring message from Pastor Sam Haddon at Northside Community Church, Sydney. My name's Barry, campus pastor of our Taramara campus. So good that you could be with us today. And uh, we're in week two of a series on how do you? How do you do or how do you? Uh, We're going to look at three practical things. And uh, I wanted to ask you, have you ever been aware of yourself being grumpy? Ever been aware of yourself? There's room. There's people putting their hands up in the room here, so you can be part of that next week. But you ever ever recognise that uh, you're cranky, critical, a bit of a grumble, something? Uh, ever notice that? You, you know, when you feel like that, um, do you ever take a selfie and then put that up on social media and say, "Look at the wonderful life that I am living and experiencing"? Have you ever done that? We tend not to do that, do we? Because we want to show the best portion or the best part of who we are uh, to the world. We don't want people to see those parts that aren't so nice uh, because we don't want them to see. We want people to see us as happy, joyful, living the good life, successful, doing really well. But we know, don't we? If the truth be known, We know that sometimes what we show to the world is different to what really is going on inside, beneath the veneer, behind the mask of how we're really doing. There are times in my life, it's usually when I'm tired, stressed, maybe feeling a bit overwhelmed, where I very quickly can go to that point where I am grumbly, critical, grumpy, And some of you might be thinking, gee, Barry, you're stressed a lot of the time. You're overwhelmed a lot of the time. You're tired a lot of the time because that's what we see of you. Grumpy, grumbly, critical. Maybe, maybe not. But here's the thing. What about you? Do you ever feel that way? Do you ever feel that that's you? That you're grumbly, you're critical, you're grumpy, and it might be because you're tired, and often that's one of the reasons, you know, we, we, when we are tired, that's what happens. Um, but I want you to be honest with yourself. And I want us to look today at what can help us not be that way. This week I was chatting with a friend, um, and we agreed that the lockdown had, had a significant impact on our own mental well-being and how we were really doing. It affected our mood. And uh, I'll be honest, it's affected my mojo a fair bit and my motivations, it just hasn't been as high as it normally would be. How do we change? There's an ancient practice that modern science has demonstrated with evidence that if we put this ancient practice into practice, we will live life better. We will live life well. And there are lots of benefits for it. This ancient practice increases joy and energy. It reduces blood pressure and depression. It strengthens resilience. It can even lengthen your life. And some people have measured it, that it could actually lengthen people's life by up to seven years if they practice this throughout their life. It uh, also deepens compassion. It it also uh, increases empathy and it improves brain chemistry, which has an effect on what we think. And as well as that, it impacts on our social relationships. What is this ancient practice? It's one word, gratitude. Gratitude is this ancient practice that's been practiced for thousands of years that can have all of those benefits 
in our life. Last week, I shared three uh, really important steps that we need to go through if we are to get through grief. And uh, I want to encourage you, if you haven't had a look at that, to have a look at that message from last Sunday. Uh, But today we're looking at how do you grow in gratitude? How do you grow in gratitude? Gratitude is from within and it's something that has to be expressed externally. It's something that, it's an attitude within that needs to be expressed uh, outwardly to God and to others. Time and time again, there's a phrase that appears in the book of Psalms and throughout the Old Testament and it's this. Psalm 136, verse 1. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. The Apostle Paul, while he was in lockdown, while he was in prison, he wrote these words. And we did a series in Colossians recently, but in Colossians 3, verse 15 to 17, Paul says this. Be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish. Now, that's a word we use every day of the week, isn't it? Admonish. It means counsel one another with all wisdom. And as you sing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether it's in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amazing words that Paul would write while he's in lockdown to people about how to live life when you're not in lockdown. To those, he said, be thankful, be thankful. And then we get to this passage in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 and 18. Paul wrote this. He said, rejoice always, pray continually, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. There are many people today wondering what God's will is for their life. Well, just did you read those verses? Here's God's will for your life. Rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. Notice he didn't say give thanks for all circumstances. There's a big difference. Give thanks in all all circumstances and we've been in all sorts of different circumstances haven't we and we will be in the future and we need to give thanks in all circumstances we need an attitude of gratitude and we need to live by an attitude of gratitude how do you grow in gratitude you know this year my wife wendy has grown some beautiful fragrant flowers in our backyard Uh, she's been growing some sweet peas on the backyard fence of where we live. And there's a photo of that uh, on the screen now. Uh, She does an incredible job, and she's done an incredible job of of making what was a very bland-looking garden now into multiple smaller flowering gardens in our backyard. And uh, she's made it feel a lot more like home. And it's lovely and it's great. But before Wendy planted the sweet peas in the location where they are, we had to do something. We had to get the ground ready, but we also had to remove two plants. The first plant that we had to remove was a flowering, um, uh, green, long, robust-looking banana passion fruit. 
Uh, Wendy had searched for many hours looking to get this little banana passion fruit plant, finally found it, planted it in the ground and we watered it and nurtured it and it got to that point where there were just hundreds of flowers ready so that we could get our banana passion fruit. And that's when uh, the man of the house decided that it was time to spray the weeds in the garden. And so I sprayed the weeds around the garden and I think some of the weed killer got onto the banana passion fruit. And so for some reason it just didn't get to bear fruit. So what do you do? Well, we had to remove that plant uh, because yours truly did a great job of his gardening efforts, weeding the, uh, weeding the plants, killing, you know, killing the weeds and the good plants. But the second plant that we had to remove was actually a bunch of weeds that were growing in that area. And so we removed them. And uh, as a result of removing them, in the end, we had these beautiful sweet peas. Now, if we're going to grow in gratitude, the first thing we're going to need to do is to remove the two negative mindsets that oppose gratitude. We have to deal with them first. We have to deal with these two attitudes before we can cultivate gratitude in our lives. And the first one is discontentment. Discontentment is that complaining, grumbling, grumpy, whinging, whining attitude that can sometimes be very prevalent in our society and prevalent in our hearts if we're not careful. Uh, some of us have said and heard, and I've heard it said, that just about every time there is an election, a federal election, there is often this great appeal for the little Aussie battler or sometimes the one who feels like they are owed a lot. And there's a verse that appears in the Old Testament, it appears in the New Testament, because there's an attitude that appears, and this is that discontentment attitude. But there's a verse, and this verse I want to just say an appeal to all the parents out there. I want to invite you to consider this verse as a verse that you may or may not decide to teach or encourage your child to learn as a memory verse. It's a good one. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 10 and it says this and do not grumble as some of them did and were killed by the destroying angel poor what you see there was a time in the old testament where god's people grumbled so much that god said enough's enough i've got to deal with that and paul does this writes this in the new testament times this is after jesus was buried, died, buried and rose again and he says this to the church and he says, whatever you do, don't grumble because there could be consequences for your life if you do. So parents, I invite you, consider it if you want to when your child is grumbling because they don't get what they want and you know that you've got better plans for them, maybe that's a verse that you might encourage them to learn. Learning contentment is something that not only children need to do, but it's something that I found in my life, I also need to put into practice learning contentment. Discontentment is something that opposes. The second mindset uh, to remove that was, dis was discovered by a research study carried out a few years ago, about 10 years ago. Um, it was a study of, of business executives who, um, what they did is these business executives were asked the question, if you could describe um, the, the 
the number one attitude, if you can just put it into one word, the number of the, 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 the attitude that's there in, in the emerging generation of, of graduates, people entering the workforce, what would that word be? What is the one word that describes the 20 plus somethings? Um, what is that one word? And just remember, this survey happened about 10 years ago. There was one word that consistently came up to describe them. They went to the 20-somethings and they asked them this question there is, and said, look, there is one word that the, that the next generation above you consistently use to describe your generation. And do you know what that word is? And so these 20-somethings said, oh, it would be, we're excellent. Uh, and by the way, the, the word starts with E. And they said, oh, the word is excellent. Uh, entrepreneurial, someone said. Energetic, someone else said. Uh, someone else said, uh, oh, no, we're extraordinary. We're, we're enthusiastic. We, we have so much to give. And after listing lots and lots of words, starting with the letter E, the consultant said, no, the number one word that most commonly used to describe this generation, this, again, this is 10 years ago, the mindset, the word is entitled. And, and they said, what? No, we deserve better than that. <laughs> entitled. Now, I'm not saying this as a thing for us to get into a generation war, but I'm saying this because it's so important that we recognise that this dangerous attitude of entitlement, this, this attitude of entitlement that I deserve better, I want what I want and I want it now. Call me Mr. Vane, you know. I want what I want and I want it now. Who knows what it is, but years, you know, it's really important that we recognise this. You know, maybe it comes across this way. I'm 21 years old or I'm 25 years old and I should already have my car paid off and my house paid off and I should have the perfect career plus 20 years of work experience. See, it's entitlement. And years and years ago, a young leader a pastor, was written a letter by an older pastor and an older leader and he said these words to him. Listen in. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with what we have. Wow. So what we've got to do is remove those two uh, negative attitudes. And so the antidote is gratitude. The antidote to discontentment and entitlement is gratitude. That's the first one. The second one I'll touch on briefly is this. In order to grow in gratitude, we need to daily thank God for his goodness and his love. Daily. You know, if it wasn't for God, we wouldn't even exist. If it wasn't for God and his goodness and his love, we wouldn't even be on the planet. God is the source of all life and we are to be thankful for him. And that's why David and the psalm writers, time and time again, several times, they say these words. They say it over and over again. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Why is it repeated so many times? Because when you see a scripture repeated and repeated, that means that it is to be done, it is to be practised, it is to be followed. God is good and he loves us and we need to thank God for his love. 
You know, for the past 12 years, one of the things my wife, Wendy, and I have done for our, our daughter, when we put her to bed each night, one of us will put her to bed, and we always pray a prayer together. And the main focus of our prayer is what are we thankful to God for in that day? What are we thankful to God for? What can we thank him for? To daily thank God, one of the things that you might like to do is get a journal and do a gratitude journal, write it out. Or if you're not into writing it out, just do some reflecting at the end of each day and think about all the things that you can thank God for in that day. Be thankful. Be thankful. Gratitude is so important. The third practical way that we can grow in gratitude is to thank those people who empower us to live life well. Thanking people who empower us to live life well. You know, there was once a time when Jesus was heading towards Jerusalem and uh, in order to get there, he, he, he travelled on the border of Samaria and Galilee. Uh, that would be like today, let's pretend that... Um, the Australian Capital Territory was in the border area of Queensland and New South Wales. And in the middle was Canberra of the ACT. And it'd be a bit, a bit like going on a journey where, where the ACT was on the far western side of uh, the Queensland border, you know, the southwest uh, side of the Queensland border, and on the northwest side of the New South Wales border. And it'd be a bit like Jesus was over near, um, near the east side, near the beach. And Jesus has to walk all the way along the border of New South Wales and Queensland. And as he's walking along the border, he's heading towards Jerusalem, which is ACT, Canberra. Imagine that. So Jesus is there, and as he goes on this journey, what happens is there's a town, and as he goes towards this town, there's these ten lepers. Ten lepers. Now, what is a, lep what is a leper? A leper is someone who has an infectious skin disease, and they are to be in isolation from the rest of the community. That's the rules. And uh, the only way that a leper could rejoin the community was if the priest, they had to go and show themselves to the priest, and when they show themselves to the priest, if the priest looks at them and looks at their skin and says, a bit like a doctor these days would say, you're clean, you're well, so now you can rejoin your community. And these ten men were lepers uh, in, that, in, that, in those border areas and they were lepers and they couldn't be involved in town life. There were so many things they couldn't be involved in and they had to live in ISO. So what happens is these 10 men want grace, they want mercy and so from a distance, from a far way, they call out to Jesus, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us because they wanted to be healed. And Jesus said to them these words. He said, look, go and show yourself to the priest. And they did. They do exactly what Jesus says. And as they go, they get healed. The ten men are healed before they even get to the priest because Jesus has healed them from a distance. But one of the guys sees that he is healed, notices that he's all better, and he goes back. And he goes to Jesus and he praises God. He falls at Jesus' feet and says, thank you, Jesus, for healing me. And Jesus says to this guy, weren't there 10 of you? Where's the other nine? And Jesus says to this guy, truly your faith has saved you. 
go in peace, you are now well. You see, he wasn't just well physically, he was well in his heart. The other nine were well physically, but they weren't well in their heart. Because out of that story, what happened is only one out of ten, a tithe, a tenth, one in ten, said, thank you, Jesus. And I want to ask you a really important question today, and that is this. Do you live like the one, or do you live like the nine? Do you, when, when you think about all that God has done in your life, all that God has done, all that he has done for us in Jesus that he was crucified on a cross for you and me to save us and rescue us and heal us and bring us to an eternal home, that he has given us the church, that he's given us spiritual gifts, that he has given us forgiveness and hope and life and joy and peace and so many different things. He has given us so much. And do you live like the nine or do you live like the one? We need to thank Jesus because ultimately Jesus is the person who has empowered our life more than any other person in history. But I want to ask at another level, do you take Jesus for granted or are you thankful for him? Here's another question. What if today each and every one of us was to get on the phone and make a phone call to a person who has been in our life a significant influence. Now, I want you to think, is there a teacher, a youth leader, uh, a kids' church teacher, a coach, a parent, a grandparent, an uncle, an aunt, someone who has made a significant influence in your life and empowered you to be the best version of yourself, the best that you can be? Is there that someone? And I want to ask you with that person, are you like one of the nine or are you going to be the one who goes and thanks them? And I want to invite you today to take an action step. And that action step is for you to express gratitude, to thank the person who has influenced and encouraged and empowered you to be the best you that you can be. Why not do that today? Make that call. And you know what? It'll be good for them to hear it from you but it'll also be good for you and good for your soul to express words of thanks and appreciation and gratitude. And the fourth uh, way that we can grow in gratitude today is we need to show gratitude by singing and giving to God. Let's talk about singing for a moment. Now, you know, I sometimes sing in the shower. I have a daughter that sings a lot, which I love. But David wrote many, many songs that expressed his gratitude. And in Psalm 147, verse 1 and verse 7, he says this, Praise the Lord. How good it is to sing praises to our God. How pleasant and fitting to praise him. Sing to the Lord with what? With thanksgiving and make music to our God. You know, one of the reasons why the mood of people over this last 18 weeks and in lockdown, one of the things that's actually happened is that because we haven't been able to get in the room and sing together, it's affected our mood. Because here's the, the evidence is that those who sing, those who can express gratitude in their voice, their mood lifts. And I want to invite you, there's no reason why as we regather and one of the reasons, one of the, one of the best things about gathering as a church, 
week in, week out, is that it does a good thing for your soul and it's good for your brain and it's good for your life and it's good for your relationship, for you to be in a room and to be able to sing to God and express that gratitude. So sing. It's good. It's pleasant. It's good for the soul and it's purposeful and it expresses gratitude. The second one, just to wrap this up, is giving. Graham talked about it. You've heard a lot from me about it. Why do we say this? Because giving to God is the most practical way that you can express your gratitude to him after all that he has done for us, dying for us, being buried for us, being flogged and whipped for us and securing for us all the good stuff by rising again. I want to ask you, if God was to be your heart surgeon and he was able to see your heart, and I'm not talking about your physical heart here, I mean, he can see that anyway, but your spiritual heart. How would God describe your heart? Would he describe it as stingy, tight-fisted, controlling, grumpy? Or would he describe it as one that is open-handed, generous, gracious, grateful? Which one? God knows your heart. He knows the attitude of your heart. Graham shared it earlier in the story of the widow. The widow was grateful, even though she didn't have anything. She just gave her last two coins. And yet Jesus said, hey, look at this girl. Look at her. She's living the life because she's grateful for all that God has done. Why do I invite you into a life of gratitude? Why is this attitude of gratitude so important for life? It's because we have received so much and because Jesus himself lived that way. Let me read to you just one last verse before we share in communion. And I invite you, if you want to prepare for communion, do that now this opportunity to, re to remember Jesus and, and to take what's called the cup of thanksgiving. That's what this is called, the cup of thanksgiving. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9 says this, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sakes, for your sake, he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. And aren't we rich? We are rich spiritually, because Jesus has done so much for us. So I invite you now to take time to express your gratitude to Jesus. Be thankful for his body that he gave willingly, that he surrendered up for us on the cross to show his love for us. Take and eat. And then take the cup. This cup of thanksgiving and be thankful to Jesus for all that he has done for you. Thank you. Thank him for his blood that was shed so that we could be forgiven and we could have life. For more info and all the latest Northside news and events, visit northsidechurch.org.au or download our app today.